Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour. Today we are playing Fantasy by Anthropos Games. I am Calvin Johns. I use he, him pronouns. I am Mr. RPG Hour. I use they, them pronouns. I am Jonathan Andrews. I use he, him pronouns. As we said, we are playing Fantasy today run by Calvin of Anthropos Games. We are joined by Emmett. Hey, uh, I'm Emmett. I use he, him pronouns. And we are joined by Hunter. Hello, I am Hunter, and I also use he, him pronouns. This is our session zero, where we get to create characters, and you get to hear the world info, and what you cannot see is something that I'll have to have some way of getting you guys a picture version of what we have here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think um, because Fantasy, the way it's played, um, you actually kind of, um, you're going to be using your tabletop and moving things around. It's a tactile game. Um, it works well online um, with with certain of the different apps and programs. So we'll be doing a screen share uh, for our adventure today and for this session zero. Um, and I'm going to try to vocalize everything I can as I run the game. And so hopefully those listening won't need to be uh, looking at anything in particular. But yeah, if you have a file or a download or something that, you know, it could be a good supplemental text, but I'll make sure everything um, is included in the action and in what we say today. So quick question, does that say dark and twisty? It says dark and okay. twisty. For some reason, my brain read that as thirsty, and I wanted to make sure that I had it correct. Different, different <laughs> game. <laughs> so if we're going to be starting Assassin's Zero Fantasy, obviously use any safety tools that your group would normally use. Um, we've had a little bit of conversation uh, previously just to talk about the tone of the game. Um, Fantasy is a very open-ended system. Uh, a lot of the meaning will actually emerge at the table. Um, and so if you're playing with people that might not share the same sense of humor as you or the same tone, um, things can get a little off balance or wonky, kind of like when there's a heavy blanket in the drying machine and it starts thudding on every rotation. Um, so we've had some conversations about tone. Um, this game is going to get, it has a little bit of a horror influence. So we talked about um, a little bit of what we'll expect from horror. Um, and then there's sort of this comic grotesque. We're going to be in a Wonderland, Oz, Neverland type of world. Um, we'll be role-playing um, children between the ages of like 10 and 16 or 17. And so um, we've sort of talked about some of those issues, and I'll be bringing those up uh, in other episodes when we actually start playing the game. But I would encourage anyone for your session zero, that should be, you know, sort of a big time spent. And that's sort of, you know, that's related to each individual group and what you want to do, especially because we're going to be playing a horror game, and especially because we're role-playing as children, um, that is a conversation that, that we have had, and I would encourage you to do that as well. And if we're moving forward from that, um, I think it's going to be sort of making characters. It's kind of that fun thing here. Um, I've introduced the setting a little bit. Um, again, where it's 19 teens, you're going to be children away at a boarding school. Um, all of you start thinking about you know, what, those, what those stories are like. You can imagine it looks like something like Hogwarts, um, we'll put it up in the Pacific uh, Northwest somewhere. Um, and it can just be sort of a, a tuck away place out of time, right? And it's 1915, I guess, 1917. Um, we can get into the details, you know, more as we sort of plan our game and what we want what we want to do with our Fonagy session. Um, but we'll all be making characters and we're all going to be using the default character creation process, um, which comes, you know, in, in our book of Fonagy. Um, I will introduce a couple of different rules. We have some variants. Um, there are 11 mods, actually, in the, in the original book. We'll be using a couple of those. 
And then in some of our later uh, settings, we actually have some other rule variants that work really well for convention play and work really well for uh, online or, or you know, sort of like ad hoc groups. So we'll be using a couple of those as well. One of those being zero clashing, where all tens always hit. So it kind of cuts down on, on uh, some of that grind a little bit. And we might be using then a different uh, sort of advancement system or advancement process that's gonna work a little bit faster at the table as well. And I'll get into that when it comes up probably after that first scene. Um, it's cool to run a scene and kind of surprise some folks with what happens next. So if you're all ready, I mean, I think you know, everyone here has introduced themselves. I think if it's okay with our illustrious hosts, I will jump right into the character creation process. Does that sound good to everybody? Sounds good. Sounds great to me. Go for it. Excellent. So our first step in our character creation then, everyone's gonna be rolling a couple of D10s. Make sure you have your, your D10s ready. In Fantasy then, that zero is kind of functions like an ace. If you need low numbers, it's a zero. If you need high numbers, it's a 10. In most cases, zeros are, gonna, gotcha. are going to beat nine. Um, you can all flip to that character creation section that I gave you. And you know, for those of you that have books at home, we're gonna be starting up right there on page 58 are the charts. So the first thing that characters do is roll their niche. Because Fantasy is a, is a toolkit game, you'll be playing in any sort of setting you want. Uh, in this setting here, we've got uh, you know, our children away at boarding school, and we're gonna be rolling for their niche, sort of how they fit in that culture. So imagine this as we roll on this chart then, imagine this, the culture of a boarding school, right? A small child, like a Hogwarts style school without the magic, right? Like sort of a you know, wealthy parent sending their kids away, maybe poor, Children are working there. You know, you could you could be the the son or daughter of a cook or something at this facility, right? Think of this culture. Think of this milieu as all of the things happening in this fancy boarding school. So we need every single character. First off, is going to roll their niche. Will have a political aspect, a social aspect, and a personal aspect. So we're actually going to need three rolls. Let's have everyone roll one d10 for their political aspect. Here we go. All right, I was trying to find the thing. And if you tell me what it is, I can give you the answer as well. I'll be keeping track of everyone's character sheets here. <laughs> and I imagine they'll be doing that individually also. Fantasy works. Your character sheet can be something like a five by seven card. Um, oh, it's, a, it, it's, it's a good game for just writing down a few things uh, and, this... and getting to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm using I, note cards. Ironically, I actually am using a... Um, uh, oh my God, what are those things called? Not a post-it note. Um, <sighs> Uh, index card. I'm actually using an index card as a character Ooh. sheet because it was the closest thing to me. Um, Ditto. <laughs> but I got a sympathizer. Okay, so we have, so the political aspect is then sympathizer. Uh, the sort of, so you hate the current structure, but you are loyal to the leaders. So you can think about whatever that might mean um, in this system or in this milieu here. I'm going to write down sympathizer for now, and then we can I all have... sort of flesh out our characters in conversation together. Um, Hunter, what did you have for your political I got aspect? I unclean. Excellent. You are unclean. A descriptor, you are hated by the current structure, but you are stuck with Rebel without a cause. So what, what, whatever that might mean uh, in this sitting, in this setting. Um, Jonathan, what do we have? I got so <laughs> No, 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 no. Not what you are, but what oh, you yeah. roll. <laughs> no, seriously. Absolutely fantastic. So you honor 
You honor the current structure, and you are bent on proselytizing. I mean, I don't if that doesn't say prefect or house lead or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, I am head boy. You are head boy. <laughs> or g- girl. Or girl. Wait, we'll get to what the character details might be like in a minute. And Emmett, what did you roll? <laughs> I rolled a nine. So a nine on the chart is foreigner. The details there are you are hated by the current structure, but you are outside it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so again, these are just 10. If we read through the list, we have conservative, loyalist, zealot, privileged, content. Um, these don't really equate to American sort of political categories. These are just more political in this situation, right? If you're considered an insider, if you're considered an outsider, if you're considered valued, if you're not, it just kind of gives a brief way to sort of place your character in this milieu because we really want this game to sort of emerge as you play. Um, Fontagy is not the kind of game where you write a six-page backstory and bring it to your first session. Um, we're going to be figuring these characters out as we go. So right now, that's sort of where all these folks fit sort of in the, in the power structure. We'll have one more role for everybody about the social aspect then, please. One more D10. I got... <laughs> that's interesting. Where do we want to start? I'll go. Uh, okay. Uh, I got military. <laughs> and that's Hunter. Hunter is talking, and he is military. So his social aspect of this niche, so he's unclean. Um, and then his family or, like, how his, you know, where his character or his family fits into the structure is somehow related to the military. This is art reflecting life and right here. And we can here. see what... <laughs> Interesting. It's like metahuman fighting for a cause or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah and what do we have what do you have then emmett you're being vocal i have government government interesting so i'm foreigner and government which is well you're a spy from some other school maybe you were like an athlete that came here for a reason and got sort of stranded here you have to somehow, steal the right? playbook so you're a great or... you're yeah you're a 13 year old lacrosse player <laughs> <laughs> I don't even do magic. What, where am I? Hogwarts. What's that? Uh, Hogwarts. Listen, I'm 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 with the IRS. Like this. I got hospitality, not- entertainment, and I've already got an a, an anime character in mind for how I'm gonna play this. Excellent. Oh Excellent. So we've got our sympathizer, whose family is then in hospitality, entertainment, and Jonathan. Mine is religious. You're a religious zealot. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and so again, you know, if we're thinking of these are kids away at school, this could kind of be your archetype. This could be what you're known for in certain ways. This could be maybe where you're assigned. Maybe every kid has to clean a different room and you have to clean the chapel, right? It doesn't, don't think of this as so restricted, right? You can make up how these words or how these sort of prompts connect to your character in any way. So let's everyone roll one more. And this is your personal aspect. These are just three sort of random ways to put your character in sort of a three-dimensional spot of where they fit in your particular set. Yes! Oh, yes! That's cocked. cocked again. This works. I, oh my I God. got pervert. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, was I that got... was that Larry? Who, who said that? Yeah, that was Mr. RPGR. Mr. RPGR, you've got pervert. So that, so in a personal aspect, the pervert is just known as, we've got three sort of keywords here, individualist, misfit, and bitter. 
Now, again, this isn't a comment on anyone who might consider himself a pervert in our world. Um, we're very kink positive, like, you know, be who you want to be. Um, this is just sort of, again, how these archetypes, how they might fit in the milieu. You get to read that however you want. Um, so it looks like for Mr. RPG Hour, we have sympathizer, hospitality, entertainment, and pervert as those three aspects. You can sort of start digesting that, and you'll introduce your character in just a moment. Um, Hunter, what did you get for your third or your personal aspect? author. Author. And so the keywords then for author are creative, orderly, and observant. So again, pull that into that unclean and that military, um, and you'll start digesting. Come up with the idea of where your character fits in this school. Jonathan, what did you get? I also got author. Excellent. You guys, you guys could form a cult right here. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, creative, orderly, and observant. And then Emmett, what did you have? I got dreamer. Oh, wow. Excellent. So the keywords for Dreamer then are artistic, whimsical, and passionate. And let's everyone right now, let's have uh, maybe roll a D10 and we'll come up with your ages if you want. You can choose your um, your gender and your ages for your character. Um, if you want to do like maybe just like do like 1D10 plus 8. This is just sort of ad hoc for funsies. I'm 16. Okay, Hunter's character uh, is 16. You want us to roll a d10? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Everything's with a d10. I got 12. Oh, okay. Mr. RPG hour is 12. 17 for me. Ooh, Jonathan, our leader so far. <laughs> I have... So it's a d10. So I got uh, 14. 14. So I think that's great. So you'd all be like sort of in different grades. You're all kind of, uh, you know, you're going to be the ragtag group. And I'll explain that in a minute. Um, so the way we're going to set up uh, for this session zero, then we're going to introduce your characters. Um, the first scene uh, for our adventure is going to have the group of you being children who were not picked up for the Christmas holiday. <laughs> so for some reason, um, the... Boarding school is closed down. It's Christmas holiday. We can imagine maybe, you know, today is the 22nd of December, 1916. And you are away at school and your parents never sent for you, nor did they send a carriage to come and pick you up. And so you are stuck here. Most of the school has been closed down. Uh, one of the cooks has to stay by because of you. One of the maids has to stay by. They're all very resentful that you are here. Let's say there's a total group of maybe just 12 to 20 students that stay here over Christmas. Maybe some of them are from farther afield and can't get home. Maybe some of them don't celebrate Christmas. That's not really a thing for their family. Um, and so for what it is, you folks are also here. And so think on that. Think of your ages that you have. Think of those niches. Um, I'll be reading them out loud one more time while you're all thinking. And then I think we'll go in order. We'll let our host maybe sort of set that up for all of you introducing your characters. Um, a lot of fantasy is going to be sort of improv friendly. Um, don't feel like you're going to paint yourself in a corner. Don't feel like you need to come up with the best thing ever. Some of these things can still be flexible as we play. Um, but just, you know, put those words together and see if you can maybe find uh, a cute or an entertaining character somewhere in there that you'll, that you'll like to, uh, to role play. 
So we'll start with Hunter's character here then. Again, I'll read them all out loud one more time for the listeners, and then we'll have everyone sort of introduce themselves after that. Um, Hunter's character is considered unclean, some kind of like some, some way outside the system. There's some kind of military history or background, and they're an author, that creative, observant sort of leadership character there as a 16-year-old. Mr. RPG Hour then, a sympathizer, somehow um, not liking the current structure, but likes the current leader. What might that mean in school? We'll find out. Um, connected to hospitality, a pervert, kind of a misfit, personally doesn't, doesn't really fit in, aged 12. Jonathan is 17, probably should have graduated a couple years back, not sure what he's still doing here, but whoops, <laughs> he is a zealot. He's, uh, he definitely honors that, that current structure and is proselytizing for it, somehow connected to religion, and is an author. Again, that sort of personal temperament of that creativity um, and that uh, observant demeanor. And then we have Emmett, who's 14 years old, a foreigner outside the system, maybe not a member of this school, right? In this milieu, that could mean it could mean anything really. Um, connected with the government somehow, student government, official government, a spy, espionage, however he wants to put that together. But then dreamer. Also the personal aspect has that sort of open-ended dreamerness to it. So those are our characters so far. Um, I guess I'm going to turn it over to the host then and see how we want to work through introducing these characters. I figure we could just add, we'll just go kind of down the list. Um, uh, I'll let Jonathan uh, go first. All righty. I am Siegfried Bartholomew Carla. And... <laughs> I'm a prefect at this school. I've been here long enough that most of the staff know me, and I generally enjoy enforcing rules. Although sometimes I get distracted and don't notice stuff. Okay, dig it. And are you then, you're liked by the staff, or they know you and tolerate you? Um, they, they view me as kind of slightly unreliable, so if they give me a task, I'm the kind of person that they will follow up in about an hour to make sure I haven't, you know, gone off and gotten distracted with something else. But they don't dislike me. They just they just think of me as that kid who's still here. <laughs> Get over to Emmett. I have no idea what my character's name okay. is. And I'm, I'm trying to figure <clears throat> out how to reconcile foreigner and government. Well, let's work through that together then. I think that might be a good example then. Um, what do we think in this? And I guess everyone can sort of pitch in then. Um, not to not to take away the creativity from you, Emmett, but let's yeah, just have yeah, a conversation. Yeah, well, so what, what do we think foreigner should mean in this particular milieu? Um, it could be recent transfer student. It could be someone who's a foreigner to the state. Um, like they could be from like a southern state, um, a state from the other side of the country. Um, it could also mean that they're – if we're – on the Pacific side, uh, you said Pacific North. Um, I mean, it sounds strange now. They don't really have any great 18th century buildings over yeah, there. Um, uh, but let's put it out there just because now it's there. We've got a little Twin Peaks vibe. Well, if, uh, but put it out there in a yeah, longer if, Canada, if we're from eh? the north, it could also mean that you're just from across the border. Like your parents are Ooh. Canadian. They sent you down here. Um, uh, so, I mean, any of those could be it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it could. I I like the idea of being from another school, right? That sets up a lot of tension, a lot of that. Yeah, transfer student to me sounds like that'd be a really great way. 
either transfer or still currently enrolled in another school. Like who knows, but I do like that idea. And then, uh, what was your, what was your social again? Uh, my social was, uh, government government. Um, I mean, it could be student government. It could be that your family are just government workers and that that's why they didn't pick you up is because they're currently on assignment and leaving you at the school is easier for them. Um, So, or he just tells everyone at the school that his dad's a spy, <laughs> and that's just like this story. My dad's actually a super spy. That's why my but he's actually is. the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's Bob Nintendo. <laughs> uh, who remembers the nineties? Though, do you think that would work for you, Emmett? Do you think your character could have some kind of like you claim whether or not it's true? We can find that out as we play. But you claim then to have these sort of espionage. Or these sort I of think like what cool... I would what I would claim is is that uh, my my father's the mayor of New York. <laughs> okay, I like that. Uh, okay, so uh, you're not from Canada then. You'll be from the East Coast, and yeah. you, and you claim to be the the related to the mayor of New York. Dig it. Yeah. And then yeah. Dreamer fits for that too. Yeah. Okay, this makes a lot more sense now. Gotcha, Perfect. gotcha. I'll come up with a name in a bit. Just uh, go down the list. Cool. All right, Hunter, I'll actually let you go before. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. My name is Ryan Jackson. Ryan spelled R-I-A-N-N. And my dad is a uh, military officer, uh, but he just doesn't get me. You know, I just, I want to be an artist. I want to I wanna paint my feelings and he just doesn't understand. So I'm staying here by choice because I want to practice my okay. art and find my identity. Excellent. I'm 16. This is how it goes. Yep. I remember that phase when I was 16. <laughs> oh, I was the golden boy at 16. I never got in fights with my parents, yeah. but I'm going to today. <laughs> Oh boy! It's called role playing, not role remembering. <laughs> <sighs> I am Sybil. I am twelve years old. I hate the political structure here at the school, but some of them, like Ziggy, can be tolerable. And the fact that he completely misses that I have an entire underground network of illegal gambling, <laughs> fighting, and just an entire beautiful wonderland of just perfection going on um, is just, the fact that he misses it is just lovely. Um, and, you know, Ryan is is fun to have around, definitely. But um, it, they most, mostly keep to themselves doing their art and you know, it just doesn't sell as much as what I believe they could be doing. But say la vie. La vie. <laughs> Excellent. So we've got, yeah, a good group of four here. Um, I imagine that I, I like this for, for Mr. RPG Hour, your character. Wait, what was the name again? Sybil. C-Y-B-L-B-I-L. I can't even spell it. I'm looking right at it. Okay. Excellent. So Sybil sort of maybe knows the names of everybody more so than maybe than everyone. We can imagine Siegfried also knows everybody because Siegfried makes it a point to know everybody. 
as that 17-year-old prefect. Um, That's right. He, I have to make sure they're in line. Excellent. Um, and then, yeah, so Ryan's well-known. Maybe you are actually a good artist, Ryan. That would be that could be a perk. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe even if you don't really get out much, everyone still knows, you know, you have those great doodles or you, like, paint the backdrop for the plays or something, and you're, you know, at least people know your name. Um, what about our what about our transfer student? Um, do we have a name yet? Okay. I think I was going to go for Jerome Jacobs. Jerome. I love okay. it. And uh, everyone calls him Jeremy for some reason. I think the... I think the the only person who really knows who I am is uh, Ziggy, but I say I'm I say I'm from Boston, but I'm really from New York. <laughs> Wait, so you say you're from Boston? You say your dad is the mayor of New York, but actually I don't from... say that my okay. my dad is the mayor of New York because he uh, was previous like there's a huge scandal and uh, oh, so he actually moved... was in real life, but you're hiding it. Yeah, I don't, oh, great. I don't want to let people know that. And Ziggy's the only one who knows well, that. Well, or I've tried to make sure that yeah. no one really knows that. It only cost a few dollars, and I have the entire file on it, and it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So we've gotten sort of the basic things going here. So now we're going to bring in, so the step two of character creation then are your powers. So these are basically just going to be sort of small little um, rule hiccups, you know, little abilities you guys have for affecting the mechanics of the game. Um, these are sort of then effect-based, effect so you can fit them in however you want. If you want them to be, you know, a gadget, if you want them to be magical powers, if you want them to be superhero powers, if you want them to be, you know, whatever fits your setting. Um, in this case, it could be just, you know, sort of natural knacks or abilities these children have. Because we're going to be jumping into a different world, I'd actually like to recommend that these be sort of powers that you sort of discover or begin to happen as you exist in this other like sort of wonderland world. Um, so maybe think of it that way. Um, but everyone gets two. So we've got a chart then of 50 different powers here. Um, they're arranged. You actually need to roll two dice a piece. So how about we do one character at a time and like flesh out one whole character instead of sort of going, you know, roll by roll. Let's focus on one person just so everyone listening can kind of get a real feel for like sort of each person in their uh, uh, sort of in their own place. Um, so who wants to start then rolling up your two powers? Do we want to do it by the order where we all introduce ourselves again? Well, if I remembered that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I, it was Jonathan, Emmett, Hunter, and then myself. Okay, I am writing that down. <laughs> and actually, that's how it's written. I mean, I wrote this on my paper like long before we did that, so it just turns out perfectly. Um, so yes, please, Siegfried, I need you to roll two D10, one for the tens digit and then one for the single digit here. So you're kind of rolling like a, a D100. I rolled 41. 41 is a blade asset. So the way this works then, nice. you're actually going to have a whole separate tile. Um, Fonsuji, we call them tiles, they're cards, index cards, you know, however your character is sort of put together on the table. Um, you'll have one for your character sheet. You have another separate tile that represents this particular ability. It's called Blade in the Book. And if you put three drama tokens on that blade, you can actually uh, increase the size of any wound that you deal by one. So that's no, what that's really. now that could be a blade. It could be a yo-yo. It could be a stare, right? You can skin that however you want. That's just what it's called in the game. And we'll let you sort of think on that. Um, and then when we really introduce that characters and move into that scene one, 
um, I think you'll have, uh, you know, that's when you'll really want to finalize uh, what that might mean to you. Nice. So give us another power then, if you could. Roll it up again. All right. I got 54. And 54 is toughness. So you're actually going to fuse a couple of your health blocks on your character sheet together, and you're going to start awesome. the game with two of those really big mortal wounds. So that's going to be really, really helpful. It actually shrinks the number of stress wounds you have, so it's going to be a little bit easier for them to stress out your character, but it gives you another one of those really big three blocks, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a bit, what that might mean. Awesome. Excellent for Siegfried there. So we've got Blade, some kind of ability that helps you do extra damage, and then super toughness. So again, that doesn't have to be, I mean, that could almost be your sort of cluelessness somehow there as well. <laughs> Emmett, can you roll up some dice for us for your two powers? Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a 10. 10. You have block. Block. The ability block. You can actually roll defense in place of an ally. Maybe that's something you learned on the mean streets of New York. Maybe you learned to sort of stick together. In place of an ally. Yeah, so you'll actually sort of then suffer any sort of consequences of that role also. But if you've got a stack of drama tokens and a lot of, you know, a big dice pool ready to go, maybe one of your buddies isn't going to have that, um, you can decide to jump in and roll defense instead. Okay. So let's get another power from you as well. Okay. That is a one. A zero one. That is quick spirits. So it's called that in the book. The effect is you can actually spend your drama, your character's momentum, to summon small sort of, you know, spirit, sprite-like, very small, low hit point um, assistance. It's sort of a basic summoning ability. Uh, we can think about what that might mean um, in Wonderland, it could be some kind of music you scream that summons birds to you. It could be maybe you touching the ground and the earth moves around you. It could be you just having lots of fans. It could be you calling your daddy and getting something in. Like, who knows? You know, we can figure out exactly what that means. But the effect of mm -hmm. it is you spend some of your, your drama or your momentum, and you're going to actually summon then in a cluster or a group of sort of low hit point um, assistants or familiars gotcha gotcha hunter can you give us two uh, powers most definitely can the first power is going to be i rolled a 19 so that is going to be spines let's sit here on our inability spines is whenever you suffer a two or a three block of damage you're going to deal a one block in return that's that lead paint that's, <laughs> I'm covered in lead paint. <laughs> and you can imagine what that might look like then in, in Wonderland mm -hmm. as well. Sort of a defensive, a, a counterattack ability built in there. Can you roll I one more for I most definitely can. That is going to be an 11. And 11 is heavy. You can spend drama tokens to boost the size of a wound. So it's kind of like Siegfried's Blade, but it's not an item. So you're, it's a little bit less powerful because it's not going to give you extra traits to play off of. And we'll get to that when we sort of intro the rules. 
Um, but so it doesn't have those extra traits, but it also means that it can't be disarmed nice. or lost. So it's pretty much like sort of like an analog there to um, to that blade power. Wonderful. And then Mr. RPGR, what does Sybil have for two powers? All right, let's see. Ah, shit, hold on. I, I, I dropped a die. Um... Play it where it lays. It, it landed on its edge, so uh, I don't know how that would work, but uh, 74. 74 is Quake. Again, that's the name in the book. We can skin that however we want. Quake lets you self-inflict damage, and it lets you play off of you can force or eliminate every condition in play. And again, that'll make a little more sense once we sort of jump into the rules here, which I think we're going to do um, in this episode. But yeah, so your character can self-inflict a little bit of uh, a flesh wound, and somehow you can impact every condition, every situation uh, in play. So that's a big one. All right. Oh, I was supposed to roll two days. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, 41. 41 is also blade. So it's another item. We'll have another tile for that. And when it has three drama tokens on that, you can boost the size of a wound. You guys got some uh, some heavy offensive yeah. players there. <laughs> Excellent. Thank so we've got step one is covering that sort of niche, right? It's just that those random rolls just to sort of figure out where you guys fit in the setting. It starts up that sort of improv spirit um, where you really feel like your character is, you know, is something that you, you want it to be, um, but it's something that responds to the game, the setting, the environment. Again, it's not a game about writing up that big six-page backstory. So you roll up that niche in step one. Step two is then getting these powers. So now think of these as abilities um, in a typical game, you'd be thinking about your world. If it's a supers game, if it's a fantasy game, whatever that might be. Um, in this case, think of these powers as activating when you get into Wonderland. So think of Pinocchio, think of um, The Wizard of Oz, think of Alice in Wonderland, think of Narnia if you want. You know, no copyright challenges on those things. But you know, imagine sort of you know these children in this fantasy world, what these sort of powers might manifest as in that fantasy world. The next step of the character creation process is really the last one. Um, it's going to be the hardest. It can take anywhere from five minutes to 10 days. And you have to come up with two qualitative traits for your character. Now, think of these really actually as themes for your character. Uh, the traits in Fantasy, it's a full story game. It's a full qualitative engine. There are no stats. You've got these powers and you've got these traits. But they are very different from the aspects in Fate. Uh, which sometimes people compare them to, um, the aspects in Fate are very literal. They're very real. They're things about your character. The traits in Fantasy are not about your character. They are sort of themes or motifs that are there to inspire the role play of that character. So they kind of exist on that level somewhere between the player and the character. Um, there is a huge selection in the book there. Um, I'm going to ask that you, you know, you can refer to that or you can um, come up with your own. Sometimes you know, two different traits will just pop up right away. Sometimes you'll be in the shower five days later washing your hair and you'll say, oh my gosh, I just thought of the best amazing trait forever. Um, and that's just how it goes. 
Uh, my business card is actually a Fontagy character sheet that I pass out at conventions and things. And my two traits are um, parts to spare and shaves in the dark. <laughs> and these are just sort of themes that you'll be playing off of. Uh, Fontagy games can use wordplay. So, you know, anytime I'm in the dark, anytime I'm taking an action in the dark, I get more dice for that shaves in the dark, right? The valence also being sort of like resourcefulness. The valence also being, you know, like I get dressed in the dark, right? So like I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to look a little silly. Or I'm going to be wearing odd socks or something, right? These traits don't mean anything. They mean whatever you make them mean turn after turn after turn after turn. So really you're kind of making these prompts much like a line of poetry that gets reinterpreted every time, you know, every time you roll the dice. So if you look on page 78 in your books, for those of you that have them, um, you'll see a bunch of samples. I hope that my psychiatrist never gets a hold of this book because all of the traits and themes I had to come up with are very indicative of the frame of mind I was in when I wrote them. You'll notice <laughs> a, lot, a lot of rock and roll lyrics, um, maybe some nursery rhymes, I don't know. Um, but just for some examples here, um, Reading through this list, again, on page uh, 78, 79, we have measure once, cut twice, never leaves on the light, steel reserve, hot under the collar, silence is golden, howling mad, right? These are the sort of phrases that you can play off of that are sort of rich, evocative phrases that will actually inspire your turns. And I'm thinking here now, maybe while you guys are all thinking of those things, right? Your character is going to need two of those. Um, we're going to augment the rules a little bit here just for, for moving through things. For those of you that rolled up um, some additional assets, so both Siegfried and Sybil have that blade, you're actually going to come up with one more trait for that item, right? That blade could be some other kind of item. So Siegfried himself will have two traits, and then that blade or that yo-yo or that rule book or that varsity jacket, whatever it is, um, that's going to have one trait for itself. Um, and then the same for uh, Jeremy Jerome Jacobson. For your quick spirits, normally you can sort of summon those differently every time um, for the sake of consistency, I think, and, and um, keeping the adventure really um, entertaining and understandable. I want you to come up with one trait for that summons, whatever it is that you summon um, during this character creation process as well. Okay, so for Ryan, you just come up with two traits. Hunter, sorry, come up with two traits Wonderful. for Ryan. Um, everyone else is going to have two for their character and then one for that sort of additional item or summons they have. And I'm thinking I'll give all of you a chance to think on that maybe while I pitch or introduce the rules. Um, I think our episode's going well so far. Um, we've probably got maybe 15 or 20 minutes here still. And it might be a good chance for me to sort of just introduce the game and how the mechanics are going to work um, because it is sort of a simple, fast, tight, um, system we can do that and then you can all introduce your character power or your sorry your character traits after you maybe get a little chance to think of it again this is the hardest part it literally can take five minutes or it will be a week of you saying wait hold on hold on wait I, let me think of something new right okay so we'll start then um, Fantasy again it's a story game it's a qualitative game engine on your turn you will be playing off of qualitative phrases that are already written on the table um, your character will have a couple traits, which is what our players are busy scrambling together right now, these great phrases that sort of represent their character um, in the world of the story. Your character will have a few of those, and the game master actually comes up with a few themes for the encounter or the scene as a whole. 
So if your character has two traits, the game master comes up with two or three. On your turn, you will be coming up with uh, the description of your character's action, sort of riffing off of those four or five qualitative phrases. As many of those as you can overlap or incorporate into the description of your what your character is doing, the more dice you're going to roll. Um, one of the things to keep in mind with Fanji, it's not so much the words you say. Um, you don't want to sort of make a list of um, your action, sort of incorporating one theme after another, after another, after another. Um, this is really more about what your character is doing. If your character is sort of activating or playing off of, riffing off of, engaging these traits and themes, you get um, extra dice for that. If your flowery description just sort of uses those words, that's really not um, what we're going for here. So let's imagine then with some of those examples we have hot under the collar and shaves in the dark. On your character's turn, um, if you use the word shave or use the word hot, that might not be what we're going for. But let's think of a character who, you know, feels the pressure of the situation. Shoot, there are people, I'm in the middle of a gunfight. I'm hiding behind the kitchen as this band just busts into my restaurant. Debris is flying everywhere and I pop up and I start throwing my kitchen knives at those people that just busted into my restaurant. That's my turn, right? Feeling that pressure, feeling those people, the debris is flying in my restaurant, and I jump up and start throwing those knives, right? I'm playing to this hot under the collar, this aspect of, you know, my character in that case um, is just sort of under pressure, maybe. Um, and then my shaves in the dark, man, I'm, throw I'm throwing knives at these people just kind of willy-nilly, right? I just stand up and start throwing knives. You can imagine how what that character is doing is just riffing, like valence. It's like pulling a meaning out of those phrases. Those phrases don't have meanings. You're sort of making them come to mean things as you play, right? So the, all the descriptive action, all the things you're thinking of are just using those traits and themes as inspiration. Don't think of it as you having to come up with some flowery description. Um, one of our famous examples, I think from an anime convention back in 2012, um, we had a pre-generated character, this captain, this powerful woman with this huge sort of like buster blade or this buster sword. And her traits were protect and serve and iron maiden were her two traits. And one of the themes was strangers become friends. One of the themes was silent but deadly. It was an anime convention. That just happens, right? So on her turn, she just says, uh, everyone's behind me, right? And I was like, yeah. And she says, I just stand still and don't do anything. And that was all four of those phrases. She had protect and serve because they're behind her. She had Iron Maiden because she just stood there. She had um, the Silent Deli. She, again, she just stood there. And she had strangers become friends because she was, you know, again, sort of like protecting that group. She was rolling four dice for that. Um, and then on her action, she wasn't so much dealing damage as just stressing out the enemy, right? They're all running at her. It was sort of like this war type situation. And her turn was, I just stand there and do nothing. And she got a bunch of dice for it. Right, so the way the game works, it's really just you sort of taking inspiration and engaging um, these phrases. Now, before that gets too willy-nilly, um, before that gets sort of soft, people think, well, what if someone's, what if one person says they engage and one person doesn't? It sounds too qualitative. It sounds too sort of um, wishy-washy. You know, that really never happens. Um, just like sort of humor around the table, <laughs> if one person says something and it's not a good joke and everyone kind of cringes, it's very, very easy to you know to figure out like, yeah, that's not gonna work. Um, and so just like humor, just like any other rules, just like safety rules, just like role-playing style, um, your group will set, you know, how sort of, how much you can stretch those conditions or sorry, those traits and those themes and how much you can. Um, so it really, um, people find that wavelength pretty quickly. 
Um, we also play with like sort of a one person veto rule. If one person at the table doesn't like that connection, you don't get a die for that. And that's a perfect way just to make sure to ensure that everyone around the table um, really feels engaged in the story. If one person gets a little too silly, a little too loose or a little too zany, maybe for my shaves in the dark, you know, maybe I want to, maybe it's, you know, late in the game, I've been having a good time. Um, my character says, well, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm in this fight with these, these folks that are attacking my restaurant or something. Um, and I am going to then, you know, take, take this knife that's in my hand and stab them, right? It's like the seventh time I've done that in a turn. And it's kind of just pushed past that idea of shaving in the dark. It's pushed, it's gotten to a point where the rest of the people are like, no, if one person says, nope, you're not getting that. Like we've been there before. This isn't fresh. No dice, no dice. Then I don't roll it, right? It takes one person. Keeps them on that, um, keeps the whole group on that same wavelength. So that's really sort of the, the base mechanic for the game. Um, the way your turn works then on your turn, you can either roll a check or a challenge. Um, on a check, you're going to be playing to one of these traits or themes. You just come up with one um, sort of thing to play on. You're going to roll a die against a target number determined by the game master. Those are either going to be three, five, or eight. Uh, whenever I play, as you're going to see today, I just say three. If it's anything worth doing, if it's anything cool, if it's anything interesting, you make that target number a three. Just, just let them roll. Um, if you hear me say, okay, go ahead and roll, we assume it's going to be three or higher. They have an 80% chance of success. In a check, if you succeed, right? Your character might be trying to get position. Your character might be trying to you know, hide behind the enemies. Your character might just be trying to look really cool and amp up some momentum and get some of these drama dice or these drama tokens that we'll talk about. Um, it's a little tiny move or maneuver your character does to get an advantage. Um, if they pass that check, they can either gain drama for themselves. You know, the camera sort of focuses on them. The story focuses, they're doing well. Um, or you can play off of the conditions in the scene. Now, a condition is any sort of matter-of-fact thing that you want to be real in the scene. A condition could be, it is the middle of the night. A condition could be, there is a fire in the room. A condition could say, the door is locked, right? Because it's a story game, because every character is sort of making up what they want to do on their turn, it's going to be very loose, it's going to be very much like improv, right? I'm just going to say, the bad guys are behind me. The game master doesn't disagree with that, right? If there's no condition on the table telling you where the bad guys are, on your turn, they can be anywhere you want them to be. Unless someone has already written a condition. When we're playing at home, we would use a red marker, put that down um, on an index card. Anything written in red on the table then is actually real on the scene or in the scene that's happening. Um, so on your small check, you can either get drama tokens for yourself, which is just free dice to roll later, or you can play with those conditions. You can add one or you can take one away. Maybe you go unlock that door. Maybe you put out that fire, um, things like that. Or on your turn, if you're not making a small check, you're actually going to be challenging an obstacle. Um, in Fantasy, you don't necessarily have enemies. You can roll obstacles, or you roll against obstacles, which could be lying to the guard, which could be beating up the guard, which could be sneaking past the guard, right? The game master will come up with those, uh, those obstacles, and they can be social, emotional. Um, we had one fight where like a, a spirit was like possessing someone else's mind, and their whole turns they spent just like giving flashbacks and the spirit was making up fake memories from their childhood and the character was defending by coming up with the real memories, right? And the, the whole obstacle was about sort of resisting this possession from this ghost, okay? Um, so a challenge is anytime you're rolling against one of these obstacles that has been decided by the game master. And so in a challenge then, you're going to want to hit as many of those traits and themes as possible. So in the small check, you play to one, you roll one die. You can either get a little boost somewhere or change the scene. 
In a challenge, you're going to be rolling as many dice as you can against that enemy, and they get a chance uh, to defend. You roll against each other, highest number is rule. Um, if more of your dice beat their dice, you can actually score multiple successes. And with those successes then, you can either deal damage or sort of like overcome that tile. In the case of a spirit possessing you, it might not be damage so much as like pushing them farther from your mind. Um, but you can either, yeah, damage that obstacle or you can play with those red cards, play with those conditions and change the scene. And so that's really the whole game right there. You're playing off of these qualitative phrases. They don't have a fixed meaning yet. They sort of come to mean things. Just use them as sort of improv prompts. Really think of these themes and traits as prompts. Play off of those to get your dice pool. And on your turn then, the real nuts and bolts of it um, are that you're going to be rolling a small check or you're going to be rolling a large challenge where you're rolling against one of the challenges or obstacles on the table. And so I've kind of panned that out. I've you know, sort of tried to hit it from a couple of different angles there. You'll see what that looks like in play coming up over the next few episodes. But hopefully now we've given our players enough chance to come up with these two sort of really meaningful traits. Um, and I think we're going to work back through that list, probably starting with Siegfried here. Um, and we'll have them introduce their characters. Maybe actually give a little bit more, maybe sort of reiterate that backstory a little bit and kind of get us... Uh, you don't have to explain why you're here by yourself. We'll actually get into that next time. Um, but just explain, you know, maybe, you know, give that full intro to your character now that everything is sort of fleshed out with your niche, your powers, and your traits. So let's start with Siegfried. Hi, I'm Siegfried. I, um, I've been at this school for... A long time now but that means that everybody knows me and that means that I've got some power right I'm a prefect so um, everybody looks up to me and everybody does what I say most of the time except when they don't it's all good uh, that also means I get to carry a baton though and I know that sounds kind of silly but it's stronger than it looks personally I am inspired by beauty which is good most of the time, except when I forget to finish carrying out the trash, and then I get scolded for it. But that's okay because I color inside the lines, and everybody knows it. Cool. I'm a stand-up boy. So what are we? What are your? What are your literal traits going to be on that? What are the phrases you've got written down? Yep. Inspired by beauty. Like it. And colors inside the lines. Like it. And for the baton, stronger than it looks. Right, so he has one more trait then for that blade, which he has turned into a baton. Right. Perfect. Uh, does it have two traits? Uh, we're we're going to say for this, it just has the one. Okay, so stronger than it looks. Perfect. Thank you, Siegfried. So Emmett and Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, shoot, I have no idea what he's going to sound like yet, but... Um, Jeremy, Jeremy Jacobson. <clears throat> he, okay, so I picked, um, for, for my spirit saying, my, my spirit straight, I picked, uh, mob ties. Like it. Um, and for my traits, I picked ready to die and low key. Uh, cause he, I mean, like he's, he's at a new school. He doesn't want to stand out. Um, there are people who have heard of his father and he doesn't want to bring attention to himself. He doesn't want people to really acknowledge him, but, uh, it's, you know, it's been, it's been rough, you know, like he doesn't, he's, he's, he's not happy. Right. That. 
Right. Okay. So yeah, that's great then. So this phrase ready to die and low key. And remember, these aren't so much in world sort of descriptions of the character so much as sort of prompts, right? These are phrases then that Emmett's going to be playing off of um, as he role plays uh, Jerome Jacobson, right? So any, even that word key, that's going to be really great. If you need to like, you know, drop your keys, fumble in the pocket for keys, right? Play off of those words as much as you want, um, as long as it then actually plays to the character's actions, right? So you really do kind of want to make these, these lines of poetry then um, that just you're going to be riffing off of, again, every time you roll the dice in Fonagy, you're riffing off of your character's traits, right? There is no yeah. problem with you making it a little bold, you know, playing with some wordplay or some puns there because, I mean, really, you want these to inspire that, right? You're going to play through it one way for a couple months, and then by, like, the third campaign with this character, like, oh, it means something, like, low-key, like, he's a pianist, like, and then you start playing off of keys or music, right? You could, like, yeah. and, like sort of make some noises playing off of, it's a low key, like my pitch, right? You, you, it'll mean new things to you every single time you come up to it, right? So gotcha, really great. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you, Emmett. Um, what about uh, Hunter and Ryan? All right. I am Ryan Johnson. Oh, shit. Sorry. Ryan Jackson, not the director. I'm Ryan Johnson, uh, son of a military officer. Uh, but you know what? He just doesn't understand me. He doesn't get who I am or what I'm about. So I want to be an artist uh my two traits are going to be what you see is what you get um and paint the town red so he's going to be very much the uh you know disgruntled the unclean aspect of him uh that that political unclean aspect he's kind of unkempt shirts untucked a lot of the time he's got paint stains his hands are dyed a different color pretty much every single day um He's always got his art supplies with him, um, and he is always looking to just discover a new form of art, abstract or contemporary, Dada, whatever you want to call it. Um, just figure something out, mm -hmm. create art wherever he is. Excellent. So yeah, paint the town red, but do not paint the roses red. The Queen of Hearts does not <laughs> like that. I hear. Um, I believe that's one of the oh, last songs in Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, watch out for those roses. But yeah, those are those are really great. Thank you, Hunter, and Mr. RPG Hour. I think I'm I'm still fuzzy. I've got a couple of options for the second one, but the first one is uh, uh, games afoot. Like it. Um, playing partly off of me being an underground games dealer, um, and then games afoot can be used in a lot of different ways, especially in Alice in Wonderland type theme. Um, <clears throat> um, and then I I've got kind of two things that I'm kind of going back and forth on one is um oh god it was one of your pre-written ones and I just had my finger on it and I moved it um oh um uh killer queen's gambit whoa um also kind of playing off of my sort of my character's sort of um focus on games and things like that um <clears throat> uh the other one was uh, the ace up the sleeve. If you can't tell, my character has a theme. <laughs> true, true. I mean, I think that Killer Queen's Gambit is good in that it brings in the chess and it brings in, I mean, Killer Queen. It brings in some great rock music. Um, I think that uh, ace up the sleeve might be might be easier, I think, to just to play off of him. But it is kind of similar to that Games Afoot. True. So I'd be cool if we sort of boldly went with that that queen, that queen Killer Queen's Gambit. Okay, I'll do that one. Uh, my other thinking for it was is that also Killer Queen's Gambit. Um, 
kind of also plays off of having a blade. True. Well, you have to come up with this, another one for your blade. Oh, I know. I know. <clears throat> but I feel like... Yeah. You're right. Easier to use when you're when you're using that blade. Yeah. Okay. And then, what's your trait then going to be for that, or that blade, or what might that what might that item look like when we get to Wonderland? Um, it's going to look like a necklace. Cool. But it's actually um, it's a weird looking symbol, uh, but it's actually got sharp points on all sides of it. Um, and it actually fits on my finger like a ring. Um, and so it's, it's basically like a, a miniature version of a punching dagger. Um, and I'm, cool. <clears throat> I am honestly torn, um, between one of these is a little more silly sort of for name. Um, but, uh, dark and stormy, uh, is the aspect for the blade. Um, and the other one is more direct to the point eyes in the dark. Um, Ooh. more for being the fact that mm. it is a hidden blade, um, which kind of plays to being able to use it in a lot of different ways. Cause people aren't going to notice it as a necklace. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I like, I like eyes in the dark on that one. I like eyes in the dark because it implies this kind of like magical quality to it. Yeah. And especially too, I mean, I'm kind of also thinking like, if it's like, I'm thinking of like Perseus and the Medusa. Like if you can like hold up your necklace and like look around a corner with a mirror or something too, maybe even on the side or well, I was gonna, the fact that it, it looks posh and fancy. I was going to ask how magical we're going because if so, I would like to be able to use it also to double it. The ring part where my finger would go, if I hold that up, I'd be able to see things through it, reveal things yeah. through it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. You're in Wonderland. Do it. I mean, Yeah. I mean, everything goes wonky in Wonderland anyways. True. I just didn't yeah. know how wonky we're going. So um, then, yeah, I'm going to call it Eyes in the Dark um, to play off of it, the ability that I'm kind of tossing back and forth about it. So Cool. It's like we'll call it the Ring of Omens, and it will give you sight. <laughs> if you're into 80s cartoons. <laughs> well, I think that's great then. We've got Siegfried, our, our prefect boy with his baton. We've got Jeremy, our sort of... Um, sent away and hiding as his family deals with some political backlash somewhere on the East coast, um, who can summon, you know, sort of who's got friends in low places, sort of, uh, we've got <laughs> Ryan Jackson, um, who's the, I guess in some ways in that, that, that sort of stereotypical, like artist misunderstood child who's staying here, who's intentionally avoiding his family so he can find his art in this cold, I have rainy to find myself Christmas season and find my art. Deep, man. Deep. Oh, wow. Uh, you've got some paint on your nose. Can you get that? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and we then we have Sybil, who's sort of this um, student, who's 12, who's the youngest of our crew. He's <laughs> running a you know, crime syndicate. It's fine. Yeah, and he's running, a, the, and he's running <laughs> oh, all the underground. He's like, I got your Twinkies. You want some Twinkies? I got the Twinkies. They. They. They are they, awesome. I got frozen, regular, and deep fried. One of my good friends. It's only a crime if you're caught. I mean, until then, it's just Enterprise. <laughs> oh, great. It's just Enterprise. Another one. <laughs> well, excellent. I mean, I think that's great. I think we've got a really great party together. Um, I think we've sort of just busted in sort of the rules of the game, right? How it's going to play off of these qualitative phrases, um, not so much just to be sort of wordplay or silly, but really just to get you sort of as improv prompts to come up with what you want your character to do. 
And I think we're all set then maybe in the next episode then to jump into some real actual play here. All right. All right. <clears throat> so Calvin, if you want to go ahead and plug your Twitter, Facebook, and website. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Calvin Johnson with Anthropos Games. Um, Fondagy uh, is a great game that we're releasing a bunch of new stuff for that um, just coming out shortly here. We are available at Anthropos Games at Twitter and then also Anthropos Games on Facebook. So pretty much just type that into Google and you will find us and find me. Hello, my name is Hunter. I am part of the NBlog Collective, and we actually have our own podcast coming up. Episode 1 releases in May. Be on the lookout for that through Apple Podcasts and any other podcast network you may fancy. If you want to follow me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Skunkasaurus. That's S-K-U-N-K-O-S-O-U-R-O-U-S. And you can find RPG Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Ko-Fi, and Podchaser. Uh, all of those, you can search RPG Hour. That's all one word. Uh, gives us, give us a thumbs up, retweet us, five stars to help us reach more people. And until the dice roll again.